Welcome to the Primal Pioneer, a no-nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today I am going to talk all about saunas and... um, This is a popular detox method. I'm sure all of you are familiar with it. It's getting a little confusing these days because there are several different kinds of saunas out there today. There's dry sauna, steam sauna, infrared sauna, wood-burning sauna. There's super cheap, affordable saunas. And then there are saunas that cost buco bucks. And so... um, I'm going to talk about how you can even tell, first and foremost, if sauna use is a supportive health practice. Is it supporting your health? Is it it a good fit for your body? And the real big question we want to ask ourselves is, does detoxing primarily via sweating, like one would do in a sauna, actually work what does it do um so we need to look at this like what's the point is it going to get you where you want to be and so if you're um working on your health right now it's such an ongoing process it's a work in progress it's a daily part of life and um sometimes it can become kind of mundane and uh, kind of get stuck in the same patterns and, and we're not sure what to do with our health anymore. And so I would encourage you is to always look at, you know, where you're at right now and what's the end game. Where do you want to be with your health? And are the choices you make with regard to health care going to get you to your end game? So we're going to talk about saunas today. And as I get into this, I want you to just hold that thought in your mind. Okay, is everything we're covering here today, is this going to help me get to my end game result? Is It, it doesn't have to be like, oh, doing sauna is going to get me to where I want to be, but can it, you know, help me move forward towards that goal? So hopefully by the end of this episode, you'll have a clear picture as to, if that's a resounding yes, or if it's a hell no, or wherever you fall on that spectrum. So um, I'm also going to talk about what kind of saunas to buy if you are so inclined to do so. And I'm going to talk about what are some red flags and cautions around sauna use. Because people out there who you know, promote saunas. There are people who's, you know, this sauna is the best and I use it and I have amazing energy and I just detox so awesome. You know, they, you, they give all the health claims and it's like, just set what anybody else says aside 
And um, we have to tune into if this is a good practice for you. Not if it's a good practice for Jeff or Chris or Danielle or whoever out there is using the sauna. Is it a good practice for you? And many of us can get lost out there with all the information going on because one person says it worked for them. And so then we jump on the boat and the bus and we try it. And then it's like total fail. And we're like so disappointed that it didn't work for us. So, you know, every quote unquote healing modality isn't supposed to be an amazing fit for every single person because we're all very unique We have very unique health histories. Every single person on this planet has a different health history and has different life life experiences which color their health, which reflect their health. And um, we have to keep this in mind when we're making our health decisions and choices. So it's easy to get swayed and conveyed by somebody's um what they're they're saying about diet or what they're saying about you know something like sauna use or cold therapy etc and so before we get into the headspace of oh that's such a good idea because of these linear reasons of decreasing inflammation and improving energy production and improving my sleep while that may work for some people using a particular modality it's definitely not going to work for every person nor should it because we are all very unique and neither alternative nor western medicine takes this into consideration which is why I love homeopathy so much because that is the main consideration Okay, let's dive in here to sauna use so you can determine, hey, is this a good fit for you? And what does it do? What do I need to know here? Okay, so let's start by how to tell if sauna therapy is a supportive modality for your healing. Number one, no matter what anybody tells you, always listen to your body. So no matter what somebody's trying to promote you or sell you on sauna use or why it's a good idea, I want you to ask yourself, how do you actually feel after you go in a sauna? How do you feel in your body? Um, This is a number one gauge we have to go off because many people do some sort of mitohack or biohack. They do it. They feel worse in their body and they feel, but they keep doing it because they think that it's like, you know, balls to the wall, push through it. I'm going to get there eventually. I have to suffer first in order to get to the breakthrough. Sometimes that is, can be accurate, but, um, when it comes to sauna use, I haven't found that to be such an accurate assessment. Usually people can tell how sauna use impacts them after one or two sessions. So if you feel totally drained or you have symptoms after your sauna session, you have low energy, you have a headache, you have heart palpitations, your sleep is disruptive, if you you know need 24 plus hours to recover from the sauna, like you're totally floored, then I think it's a really good assessment that sauna therapy isn't 
your particular medicine, at least not at this time. So number one, I really encourage you to listen to your body, no matter what anybody says, how amazing and awesome and healing sauna therapy is. Could be for some people, and that doesn't mean it is for you. So tune into your body. Now, let's talk about perspiration a little bit because when I work with someone, a question that I ask every single person is, can you sweat? Tell me about your perspiration. Is it offensive? Can you sweat? Do you sweat during your sleep? There's so much that sweat and perspiration patterns can tell us about the body. And it's not just about detoxification. Now, some people literally cannot sweat. It's really hard for their body to sweat. They have a hard time with it. When somebody says this, we have to take this as a symptom. If somebody cannot sweat, this is a symptom because the body is designed. It's supposed to be able to sweat. This is something the physiology uh, has built into it that it needs for, for many, many reasons, which I'll talk about here in a second. But If you cannot sweat, this is a symptom, and literally every symptom has a root cause. Whether you have a headache, whether you have vertigo, whether you can't sweat, whether your feet are clammy, whether you have um, arthritis in your joints, whether your fingertips are numb, every single symptom has a root cause. So if you're somebody who cannot sweat... I am not a huge fan of putting somebody in an artificial environment to achieve something that their body cannot achieve on its own. So, for example, somebody who can't sweat, um, suggesting sauna use to that person is typically, in my experience, not only a, a bad idea, but it can actually make their symptoms worse. So I would really caution, um, I would use caution if you cannot sweat before going into the sauna, um, start really slow and, um, uh, you know, don't stay in for a very long time. If you can't sweat and you, you go into a sauna, it could make your symptoms a lot worse. This is, you know, really similar to if somebody can't have a bowel movement and they just rely on enemas never going to get to the root of the issue. So if you can't sweat and go in a sauna, it's not going to cure why you can't sweat. You can't sweat for multiple reasons that, you know, I'll cover here in in a few. But I am really not supportive of if the body can't do a certain physiological function that it's designed to do on its own, putting it in an artificial environment to achieve that is pushing the body in a way that it's not ready to do just yet. So that is a red flag to me. And let's talk about perspiration and detoxification for a minute because is perspiration even like an ideal way for the body to detox? This is the big question because sauna use is pushed to help detox the body right? That's like the number one reason why people go into a sauna. So 
before we go there, let's just see why does the body perspire in the first place? Well, the, the body perspires primarily to regulate body temperature. You know, if the body gets overheated, it will produce the symptom of, of perspiration to help cool the body down so the body doesn't overheat. Because if the body overheats, then what? We get uh, weak, we can faint, we can, um, you know, suffer from things like sunstroke, we can get dizzy, we can get dehydrated, right? So the body first and foremost perspires in order to help regulate body temperature. So if we get overheated, the body should perspire to help cool us down. Now, we also perspire when there's some sort of pathogen in the body and the body needs to be warmed up in order to to kill the pathogen. This is the whole point of fever. Because let's say you drink bad water and there's some E. coli in it and you start to have um, stomach pain and maybe diarrhea and you start to perspire. Or let's say... Um, you got a, some kind of stomach infection and, you know, you start to perspire and vomit. The body will start to raise its temperature, you know, 100, 101. Most pathogens need 102, 103 in order to kill that pathogen. The body will create high fever because the pathogen in the body can't survive at that temperature, as a result, when these things happen, we perspire as a way to cool down, but we also, the body temperature naturally raises um, to fight off the pathogen. A lot of people who can't sweat today or who are aggravated by heat, they've... Um, the body can't regulate its own temperature because of all the suppressive therapies that have contributed to, you know, chronic, your chronic condition today. Antibiotic use over your whole life. You take antibiotics when you're six, you take antibiotics when you're seven, maybe when you're eight, you take four rounds of antibiotics, maybe when you're 16, you take two rounds of antibiotics, and now you're 40, those antibiotics have suppressed your immune system and the immune system hasn't come out of suppression until you um, use modalities that help to bring it out of suppression, which is why I love homeopathy because it's literally one of the only modalities I've found to help bring the immune system out of suppression. If there's another modality that did that, I would absolutely utilize it and recommend it. I haven't found that to be the case up until this point. So um, your body is going to raise its temperature naturally when there's a pathogen that needs to be killed, you know, to help kill the pathogen and return the body back to, you know, a normal body temperature. But during this time, you can perspire, right? And so um, these are the main reasons why the body perspires, then we have detoxification, okay? Because, yes, of course we perspire and some toxins are released through the, the perspiration. But the amount of toxins and detoxing that we're told happens via perspiration is like 
you know, so minor compared to what actually what what's really going on is so minor compared to what we're we're told and uh we're taught about detoxification and sweat. And um so we focus on sauna use as a way to detox, but let's be real, this isn't really uh the ideal modality when it comes to detoxification. So I think it's really important for for people to understand that because you know, think about comparing it to, say, a bowel movement and how much comes out in a solid bowel movement. You detox much more, so much more toxins and waste products in a bowel movement than you ever could in perspiration or sweat. So that's just something else I want to clear the air with because we're taught that you detox through your sweat glands and of course toxins do come out through your sweat glands but the amount is very small compared to what we're led to believe when it comes to sauna use being this amazing detox uh, modality. So um, I also want to mention that and and if you go into a sauna and you don't feel great, and if you do it on a repetitive basis and you feel more sluggish or more tired, this is because um, excessive perspiration can be extremely depleting to the body. And this is one of the number one reasons why I'm not a fan of sauna use because we can get much more bang for our buck when it comes to supporting our health using more effective modalities, you know, that aren't depleting, that actually build your energy. How many people today struggle with poor energy and then they get in a sauna and they sweat, you know, sweat and sweat and sweat and they get out and they're completely depleted and then they have insomnia, they're so depleted or they can't work or they can't function, you know, so... I'm a much bigger fan of using more effective modalities that actually help to invigorate, enliven, restore energy levels um, in a much more, what I found, effective, impactful way, long-term way. You know, homeopathy, ancestral diet, sunlight therapy, I found these to be core when it comes to um, supporting energy levels, vitality, overall health. And um, this actually is a really good segue into infrared saunas because, you guys, the sun is the primo infrared sauna. Infrared saunas are like crack cocaine on the internet right now. It's like everybody needs an infrared sauna. If you don't have it, you're not going to be healthy. And it's like, it's, it's... Total BS. So if you don't have one, don't feel bad. But guess what? You do have one. We all do. It's free and it has a balanced color temperature. It's free of non-native EMFs. It stimulates energy production in the cell. And this is red light. And nature's infrared sauna is the sun. So Literally, if you practice the Sunlight RX, you're going to be participating in a form of infrared therapy. And so, to me, the infrared saunas that are sold on the market today, they're not worth the money. They can be, um, they they carry EMFs. Anything that plugs into a light socket, you know, an electrical socket is going to carry EMFs. But if you're like, no, I don't care what Heather says, I'm getting an infrared sauna, you know, do whatever you want, but 
please look at the EMF testing and make sure that they're, uh, from what you can tell, telling the truth (laughs) about the EMF level because we want the non-native EMF level to be exceptionally low. And most saunas, they take so much energy to heat up to the temperature that we need to create a sauna that the EMF load is extremely high. Another reason why I I don't have, I I won't buy a sauna. Um, I'll tell you about the saunas that I would use and I use occasionally. But just for that reason alone, the the EMF levels in the sauna, it's like it's going to totally counter any positive healing effects of, um, you know, what the sauna is quote unquote supposed to do. So that's number one red flag for me with the infrared saunas on the market. Number two, most people who buy saunas are, they're women or they're people who have cancer and they think they're detoxing, but the reality is you're detoxing a little bit, but you're not detoxing a lot. And there's other ways to help your body detox. Like we want to get to the root of why you're not detoxing in the first place. So getting a sauna isn't going to help rectify the reason as to why you're not sweating in the first place, or excuse me, why you're not detoxing in the first place. So why aren't you detoxing in the first place? If you're someone out there and you're like, but Heather, I need to detox. I feel like I'm filled with toxins. So many people say that to me on a regular basis. I feel like I'm filled with toxins. Okay, that's a that's your body's telling you something there. Like, okay, yes, let's there's something we need to address here, right? So let's talk about um how the body actually detoxes. I mentioned one in the stool, the bowel movement. When um you have a stool, this is a primary way that the body detoxes. Okay. So um that is like number one. Also and I'll throw this in here because we're kind of talking a little bit about fever and overheating and infectious um, diseases and so forth today. But um, if a child has a fever, and let's say you're not familiar with homeopathic remedies or you don't really know what to do, but you know you don't want to give them antibiotics if you really don't have to, um, uh, like an old uh, medicine um way to help reduce fever is to induce a bowel movement with an enema. I mean, you know, I don't have kids, at least not at this time. Um, so I, you know, but I can only imagine how absolutely (laughs) difficult it'd be to give a child an enema to try to reduce its fever. But Hey, if you can get your child to poop and they have a fever, it is one of the most effective ways to bring the fever down. Toxins come out in the stool Heat is released in the stool. The body temperature often comes down. Um, But the stool is a primary way that the body detoxes, okay? Um, Now, if you struggle, if your detox pathways struggle, you know, you've done all the SNPs and the genetic tests or you just know that your body feels toxic, it feels like it's bombarded with crap, So by improving your detox pathways, 
just by sweating in a sauna isn't going to help improve your detox pathways. So um, let's talk about why the detox pathways might be compromised in the first place. A huge reason why. And when this starts, we're talking about root cause stuff. Root cause stuff starts before you were born, when you were born, when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, a young adult, and so forth. Okay? And so the root of our issues stems from, you know, pre-birth to birth. So let's talk about the use of creams. You know, what do I mean by this? Like, because this is some of the first suppressive stuff that goes on our bodies. As kids, we get a rash, we get diaper rash, we get eczema, we have some kind of itching thing. What happens? Here comes on the Benadryl creams, the corticosteroid creams, right? Get the itch, um, you know, stop the itch, stop the rash, and then number one, suppress, Okay, we suppress something that's trying to come out via the skin. This will always, always lead to a deeper pathology. A skin rash, an itch, and then we give corticosteroids or some kind of medical cream. The itch will go away, sure, but soon after you'll have cough or constipation or depression or diarrhea uh, muscle cramps, or even um, this is very common, is that some people, when they suppress uh, a skin eruption, a rash, they put some kind of steroid cream on it, they can um, start having uh, seizures uh, soon after the suppression. The body doesn't like when we do this. This is these symptoms develop as a result of suppressing. So we, we have some sort of rash or itch on the skin when we're a kid. We put the cream stuff on and that right there is going to start suppressing your detox pathways. Okay? So this stuff goes way back. Okay? So if you have kids the the one of the most um uh, i don't want to say damaging cuz we have the ability to recover from anything if we put a, give ourselves the right modalities and environment right but it can have severe consequences if we s- suppress um even you know teenage acne or diaper rash or cradle cap or you know something trying to come out of the skin it's trying to come out for a reason we suppress that with something that's going to really impact our detox pathways and cause pathology to go deeper. So this is one of the number one causes why our detox pathways aren't working today. Um, And like I said, even if this substance was used 20, 30 years ago, it put the immune system into a suppressive state and now has these deeper health issues and detox issues as a result because then it just builds, right? Okay, no more of the creams, but now we do the antibiotics and so forth. You know, I I talk about all this on the show very often. So, um, first and foremost, we don't want to block the skin with artificial substances and creams and so forth because 
this um, is a major way that we block our body's detox pathways. Of course, there's many other reasons, um, but that is the number one, that is one of the first insults we receive that affects how we detox. Um, so today, if you're somebody who is applying something to your skin that is, uh, you know, medical related, like antibiotic related, corticosteroid related, um, that's going to suppress your immune system and, and detox pathways. And I would, I never, okay, never give medical advice on this podcast or, you know, ever really, but I would say that's a big red flag. And um, there are other solutions to that that can be much less damaging to your health. All right, let's circle back to saunas. And let's continue to look at other considerations when it comes to deciding if this is a supportive practice for your health. Okay, dry sauna. What are my main concerns? More EMFs. Um, it's more, it can be more dehydrating to the cells. So anyone that has an elevated BUN to creatine ratio, which I consider anything, I mean, really a 1 to 15. We're walking the line here, but if you get much above that, um, I would say a sauna that you have to plug into an outlet should should be uh, you should reconsider if that ratio is uh, the BUN to creatine is much higher than that or even at that. Um, but also, if you're just prone to dehydration, a dry sauna probably isn't the best idea. But also, how does your body feel in a dry environment? How does it do with dry heat? I live in the desert. You know, I do okay with dry heat. Some people do really bad in dry heat versus um, steam room, steam sauna. This is like putting your body inside of Miami, Florida <laughs> in July. So before you jump into those steam sauna, if your symptoms are aggravated by humidity, this likely isn't the best choice for your health. If your joint pain is worse when in humid conditions, a steam sauna likely isn't the best choice for your health. Here's when saunas can be considered. If your symptoms are actually ameliorated and your energy improves after sweating, some people say, Heather, I feel better after I sweat. I feel less depressed. My energy is better. I, my spirits are lifted. Okay, sorry, my mom called in when I was recording there. So if I repeat myself, my bad. Um, so if you're ameliorated by sweating, then this is, this is a good thing, right? You feel better. You have improved energy. Your mood's improved after you sweat. Awesome. Okay, I'm just going to add this in to keep in mind that every organism has a breaking point. So even if at the present time sweating ameliorates your you, you feel better, if you overdo it, the tides can turn very quickly and the picture can turn and can cause an aggravation of symptoms and a depletion of the organism. So even at this time, if you're better with sweat, you can overdo it. So use caution. This doesn't mean, you know, go 60 minutes every day in the into the sauna. 
Um, you know, because today we're taught, oh, more is better. The more I do, the more I'll heal. It's actually not the case. And it's definitely not the case with, with sauna use. So now this might be out there for some people, but as often as you can, I would encourage you to go natural with your sauna. If you feel better with your sauna, and even if you just want like a little dose of sauna medicine, Go natural with your sauna. I uh, And I'll talk about what this means. D- I don't recommend spending a whole lot of money on saunas. It's literally not worth it because it doesn't support your health in a big enough way. And if you don't feel good after you're in the sauna or if you're overdue it, it can even disrupt your health and create greater uh, a greater intensity of symptoms. So the people who promote saunas today view perspiration as a main mode of detoxing. It's totally false. Yes, there is some main mode or a large mode, not so much. Um, when we detox with with in the sweat, it's minimal. Um, it's just enough that the body needs to help protect the kidneys from um, needing to deal with too many toxins. Um, but. I do think there can be a place for sauna use and I like natural sauna use and one of my favorite um, ways to do this is using sunlight or using a wood-burning sauna. So both of those things are going to put you much more in touch with nature as well, which I'm a big fan of. We all have a nature deficiency disorder living in the modern world. Our lives are ruled far too much by a screen. So if you really want to um, get crazy with your sauna, I highly recommend doing the Sunlight RX or um, a wood-burning sauna. And this can be, these can be very, very supportive. Now, um, if you don't have a copy of the Sunlight RX, you can go over to my, my uh, homepage heathershepherd.com, H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com. Just scroll down the, the homepage and you'll see a place to purchase a copy of the Sunlight RX. And if it's spring, summer, or fall, you can practice the Sunlight RX. And especially when you get to step two and step three, these are the perfect spectrums to practice, say, a solar sauna in. And if you do this, and let's say you're not... um agitated by too much heat the sun doesn't agitate you um i would encourage you to get as much skin exposed to the sun as possible your body will naturally start to sweat and you get a primo source of infrared light remember 42 percent of sunlight is red light despite the season it's always 42 percent red light when the sun is out and it's not an artificial source of red light like the infrared saunas your liter your your biology is literally hardwired to function to produce energy in to reduce inflammation in red light so this is one of the amazing benefits and side effects of the sunlight rx is getting more red light into your cells and going out and doing your sunlight rx and spending some some of the upper you know most time in step two and step three as your body's comfortable and able you'll be you'll start sweating and this is literally an infrared sauna 
and it's nature's infrared sauna. And so if you're ameliorated in sweating, by sweating, if you feel better with a little bit of heat, if your symptoms feel better and you energetically feel better after in sun and after sweating, this is an amazing practice to help your body uh, sweat while also getting red light, UV light into your cells. I cannot think of a better sauna that that nature designed. It's primo. A wood-burning sauna, they're, they're far and few to come by. Um, but if, if, hey, let's say you're a homesteader or you're really into doing your own thing and building things, by all means, go for it and build a wood-burning sauna. I know many people who do. And to use this occasionally can be, um, you know, a really... Um, good practice. Again, if you do well with heat and saunas. If you don't, don't force yourself to do it. It's not time and your body needs to heal some other things before going into this sort of environment without having symptoms. So um, if you're aggravated by heat, if you're aggravated by the sun, if you faint, if you're overheated, if you get a headache or irritable or you have like low energy if you're overheated, then you know, we want to caution against sauna use until these things are improved. So, um, when it comes to sauna use, my number one suggestion is sunlight because it's nature's form of one, heat, and number two, red light. And then you get the added benefits of the whole solar spectrum, and there you have UV light, is depending on the time of year. So you're either making melatonin as well, dopamine, serotonin, your hormones, vitamin D, right? You get all of these added benefits versus going into this, like, electrical box that overheats you and likely dehydrates your cells and is filled with EMFs. I mean... And this one's free. Like the saunas cost so much and the literally the best sauna is absolutely free. You just have to go outside. And if you're thinking, well, Heather, how am I supposed to do this in winter? If it's cold where you are in winter, it's not a great time to be profusely sweating. You know, coldness shuts down the pores. We're not supposed to sweat so much when it's cold outside versus when it's hot outside, the body is supposed to sweat more. It's designed to sweat more. This is a more natural time to sweat. It's more physiologically beneficial to sweat more during the um, during the summer months. So sunlight, really, it's like this bioavailable light, right? It's like we know that grass-fed animal protein and wild-caught animal protein is more bioavailable to the cells than something like pea protein or garbanzo beans or soy. And, you know, meaning that the body absorbs and utilizes the bulk of that protein, it's bioavailable, there's nutrients available for life, for the biology. The same is true with light. Infrared light from a device has less bioavailable light than from the natural source, sunlight. So literally the amount of light your body is going to take in the infrared light from a device is going to be much less than the infrared light it's able to take in, utilize, when you get this light from from the sun. So um, I want to mention this because often 
you know, our lifestyle set us up where we have to create an artificial situation um, in order to engage in a healing practice like sauna therapy, you know. However, the root of our health issues, it stems from not going outside enough, not being connected to nature enough, not being connected to sunlight as much. So I would say skip buying a sauna, go straight for the sun. And if you're an all-in homesteader or are you retired and want a project, then by all means, make a wood-burning sauna. Um, So let's see what else I want to mention here about... um, about sauna use so oh I want to talk about this a little bit because a lot of people use antiperspirants today and we need to talk about this a little bit because I started to talk about this with regard to what we apply to the skin and how it blocks the detox pathways and it's really going to influence your uh, body's ability to sweat but also your body's ability to detox effectively as well so We want to avoid putting things on the skin that are unnatural. I rarely put things on my skin. If I put anything on my skin, it's coconut oil or cocoa butter, and that's it. And those are the only ingredients. Um, But let's talk about when the sweat glands are blocked. Because when we use antiperspirants, we block the sweat glands. Now, we literally need some of the toxins, a small amount, to come out in the perspiration. The kidneys just need a little bit of stress taken off of them, and we do this by the uh, by sweating, okay? And so, of course, there's other reasons why we sweat, but we're talking about sweat glands and detoxing right now. So the amount of sweat that we um, have come out of our sweat glands is actually can be supportive to the kidneys when it's done in in a healthy way, right? Too much sweat actually stresses the kidneys. Too little sweat also stresses the kidneys. We have to find this like Goldilocks situation when it comes to the sweat glands and perspiration. And most people today, this is a symptom that I work on with them because people either sweat too much or they can't sweat at all. And so we have to find a middle ground. We have to help the body's thermostat come back into balance. But when we use antiperspirants, this really blocks the thermostat from acting in the balanced way. So literally deodorants um, and uh, even things like athlete's foot spray, or I know people who their their feet sweat, so they'll put antiperspirant on their feet. Mm. It's a really bad idea. It's a very bad idea when it comes to detox pathways. Um, and you know, when we add things like sunscreen and corticosteroid creams and antibiotic creams to this whole picture, it makes it even, you know, it compromises the detox pathways that much more. So we need the orifices of the body. We need the sweat glands that have exit routes to, to have these exit routes open. We don't want to cut these exit routes off. If we block these exit routes with antiperspirants, with putting things on our feet to stop them from sweating, problems are going to come knocking on the door, especially kidney issues. Chronic fatigue, kidney stones, gout, these are issues we blame on too much uric acid in the diet, right? This is never the case unless someone only eats raw spinach for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in like 72 cups a day. It's like, no. Uric acid builds in the body because 
one of the body's exit places or several of them have been blocked. And so now the kidneys are having too much stress. We can't, um, the, the sweat glands cannot remove the amount of toxins that it needs to help take the stress off the kidneys. And so now what happens is the kidneys are stressed and this can be a very common cause of kidney stones. When some, one of the exit routes in the body, whether that's, um, you know, uh, sweat glands, um, applying something topically to the skin, you know, these are exit glands. They have to breathe oxygen. They have to perspire. There needs to be things that come out of these areas. And if we shut them off, it's completely going to block up our body's ability to remove the amount of toxins required by um, by the sweat glands, which is minimal, but to the body, it's just the right amount to keep it balanced, to keep it healthy. And it regulates it depending on how much needs to come out and how much needs to stay in. Today, people aren't getting better because we're focusing on the wrong stuff, right? Saunas and uric acid diets and elimination diets and supplements, we overcomplicate our healing. And we do way too much to try and heal and too much of the things that don't matter. That's what we're focusing on. And I've been there. I focused on a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't matter for years until I didn't. And so we all get to a point where we're always growing. We're always learning new things. We're always bettering ourselves you know, at least that's the goal. And so um, we're all going to make mistakes. But um, I really hope that this episode has encouraged you to think about your own body, your own body symptoms, um, your own sweat patterns. Do you how do you actually feel after you use a sauna? You know, and are you getting to the root of the, your issues? What are your health goals? Is the path that you're choosing to take right now to support your healing moving you towards those goals? And are you doing too many things? Because um, we can get really overwhelmed with all of this stuff out there that people tell us we need to do in order to heal. But really, we need to get simpler. We need simple solutions to our health problems. We have simple solutions, but we tend to take a very... Um, complicated route that is, uh, in New York we have this, um, you go out to a restaurant and they have this thing called the garbage plate and it's like all this stuff on one plate and it's like mashed in together and um, that's what we're doing with our healing. It's like IV therapy and this therapy and this diet and these supplements and it's like way too much. It's way too confusing for the body and we need to keep things very very simple when it comes to our health but we also need to have those simple things be super effective and that's where I just boil it down to what are the simplest things but the most effective things when it comes to healing. Homeopathy, ancestral diet, sunlight, EMF mitigation. If you do those things, you will freaking win. You just, you will. You will set yourself up for success. So healing, really all we need to focus is on on the simple. Clean water, clean diet, sunlight. You know, start mitigating your artificial light. 
And what else can you do? This is the question I get asked all the time. What else should I be doing for my healing? You know, people come to me and I give them their plan. And I say, okay, this is the remedy. This is how you're going to take it. Here's the sunlight program. Here's the diet. Here's the EMF mitigation. You know, here's the water suggestions, right? It seems like a lot, but like, that's it. And then they get it down, right? And they're like, but what else can I do? And like, literally, that's it. If you want to do something else for your, your health and healing, Go outside. Do what you love. Don't wait to do what you love. Do what you love. Make a plan to do what you love and and don't put it on the back burner. Enjoy your life. You know, engage in the simple things that bring you joy. And life is is short. And we all have the same outcome at the end of our life. The the outcome is the same for every single person. So... Enjoy what you love and don't ever take that for granted, you know? Go for what you love and keep reconnecting with nature and I think you'll be really, really um, not only satisfied but just feel very nourished and complete and uh, more than satisfied when it comes to your health, your healing and your quality of life. If you're interested in approaching your health struggles from a root place this 2022, then I invite you to join me for a classical homeopathy consultation. I'm currently accepting new clients, and to sign up, you can go to my site, heathershepherd.com, that's H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com, backslash healing. Scroll to the bottom of the page, and you can sign up for an initial consultation. Let's get you feeling better this 2022 from a root place. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. To learn more about my approach to health, to see all of my creations in the kitchen and all of my Sunlight RX tips, you can follow me on the gram at sunlight underscore RX and subscribe to this podcast to access weekly episodes.